Hi, and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, this is Katie. Hi there, and I am Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast, episode 61. And of course, this week we are doing the the 2011 film, You're Next, that was technically released in theaters in 2013. Yes, it was released at TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival, in 2011, but didn't get a theatrical release until 2013 because it is an independent film, and therefore it took a while to get some traction before they released it in theaters, but... Against a $1 million budget, it made $26 million. So um, I would say that's pretty much a hit, um, especially back in 2013. And this is one of those movies that, like, everyone kind of, like, talked about and talked about. I was like, oh, my God, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? And, like, it held up to the hype. Um, So we will get into that. Um, First of all, though, um, do you have any housekeeping, Britt? I do not. Do you have any housekeeping, Katie? I ha- I do have a little bit. Um, uh, we talked about um, Rich Evans and Dick the Birthday Boy and how I couldn't remember the name of that Chuck E. Cheese that's not Chuck E. Cheese, and I think it's a northern-specific place. It's called the Showbiz Pizza Palace. So mm-hmm. that is um, the place that I was thinking about. Um, also, I want to say thank you to um, Psycho Goreman, our, um, the movie that we reviewed last week. Um, that we had a lot of fun reviewing their Instagram account, um, started following us and reposted our post about their movie. And, um, it was really cool. And it was like, we've had people like our stuff before, but not really interact and not be so like welcoming and sweet. So whoever runs that account, thank you. And, um, thank you for letting us review your movie and, um, yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. And, uh, I had a slight freak out, I think. Britt probably did too. A little bit. Yeah, it was really awesome. It was pretty fun. Also, we hit 200 followers on Instagram tonight. Yay! Yes, we sure did. It was awesome. Yay! It's really cool. So, yay! And it took us half the time to get to 200 than to 100. So, uh, keep sharing, everybody. Keep liking and subscribing. And we appreciate you guys. And... That was really the only housekeeping I had. Um, did you have any like any movies you watched this weekend? Yeah, I did. I did actually. So I, um, I actually we since it was Frida Kahlo's birthday recently, I watched Frida, um, which Selma 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 Hayek. Uh, it was directed by Julie, Julie Taymor. Selma so Hayek. Thank you. I watched it. Uh, so I saw it for the first time years ago, probably right after the movie came out, and then I rewatched it. And it's beautiful. Like, it's just visually, like, visually a great movie. It's beautifully acted. And I was thinking about it because I saw the, yes, Katie's wearing her Frida shirt, too, tonight. So it's funny. 
It's funny that I watched it because she's Sorry. wearing her pretty shirt. <laughs> I was yes, just like, that's perfect. Ironically, I have yes, two Frida Kahlo shirts and a Frida Kahlo mug. <laughs> yes, and the Frida that you Kahlo gave mug. Me. Um, Yes, for, for your uh, birthday Christmas housewarming party. Um, but I, I noticed at the end of the movie that there was a thanks to Harvey Weinstein. So it got me kind of reading about the movie. Oh and sure enough. Oh, yeah, he like sexually harassed Salma Hayek. So yeah, basically um, reading about it, about it in retrospect. Salma Hayek, um, basically she turned him down. She turned down his advances. So he demanded she had a full frontal sex scene with another woman and she wasn't against having the sex scene because Frida Kahlo was bisexual in in real life so that's like yeah. for Frida you know she wasn't against having that scene but she had a panic attack because she was basically coerced into having that scene when she wasn't really comfortable yeah. with it so yeah well and and also Frida Kahlo was bisexual but her main her biggest relationships were with men so I feel like they put a lot of I haven't watched the movie in a long time, but I feel like they put a lot of emphasis on that one relationship with a woman, and I don't think it was that important of a relationship. No, what that's what in her so biography. So yeah, so no, the scenes in the movie, so they do put her uh, emphasis on her relationship was with more with three men during her lifetime, um, and it seemed like more of the flings were with women. So there was more flings with women in the movie, mm-hmm. and the movie where she does have the sex scene with another woman, it's like a one-night stand with a singer in Paris, like in France. So they didn't, it wasn't like that at all. But what's funny, she doesn't. She didn't really have any, I mean, she had two sex scenes with, one with Diego Rivera, who's her husband, and the other one with like her first boyfriend, mm-hmm. but it wasn't graphic nudity like it was in that scene. Right. Yeah. But yeah, Harvey Weinstein's gross. Yeah. Because, like, there's, there's definitely, like, I like that they weren't ignoring that part of her life, but I feel like it wasn't, it would be different if that was, like, her big relationship. But when you're like, oh, we're going to have, like, little behind closed doors scenes with the men in her life, but the one woman that we're showing her with is going to have a full on naked sex scene. It's yeah. Gonna be super graphic. I feel like that's weird because there's literally uneven they already also like insinuate multiple times throughout the movie that she's bisexual too because of like the dance she does with the woman at the party she kisses her afterwards and then like she's in oh yeah i definitely remember that scene yeah and then she's in america and i was like in ninth grade and i was like oh and then she's in america too and in america she's have she's at a diner with like a a white lady and the lady is like i hate to say this i don't think i'll ever say this again but you are better than your husband and like she fills her up under the table so there is like different scenes that had already implied or like basically had showed frida's bisexuality and so that scene was like an afterthought and i feel like you could tell in the connotation of the film it did feel like an afterthought too so yeah because I remember feeling weird. Like, I don't know, like, because, I mean, I rem- like, watching, like, there's other movies where people have had bisexual or, or, you know, sex scenes, and I don't feel uncomfortable because it feels like the truth of the movie. Yeah. But that movie, yeah, it, it felt put upon. Like, and I was like, that's just, like, it's just disrespectful. Yeah. To everybody involved. Now, the second thing I will say real quick, I started watching Loki. I only got the first episode down. <gasps> I haven't started it yet. Ah, you gotta start it. Do you like it? I do like it so far. Yeah. I mean, Tom Hiddleston's just fun to watch, though. And then Owen Wilson's in it, so that was a nice surprise, too, because I didn't realize he was in yeah. it. Yeah. 
Honestly, I was on the fence because I like Tom Hiddleston. One of my coworkers thinks I'm, like, obsessed with Tom Hiddleston just because I was like, he's so good in, in Crimson Peak, and I think people don't give him credit for how good of an actor he is. And he's like, oh, you're a big Tom Hiddleston fan. I'm like, not. I mean, I like Tom Hiddleston, but, like, I don't think he's, like, like the most amazing actor ever, but I think he's really good, and I feel like people don't. They, they they just see him as like, oh, he's in Marvel movies. Yeah. And I think he's a much better actor than that. I'm sorry. Like, I like, I since I have started watching some Marvel movies, I like them. But they're not challenging movies from an acting standpoint. They're something an actor does for fun and profit. And I'm not saying, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Some of my favorite shows I did in college were just fun. They were comedies and they were fun. Um, but, like, there's, they're not really things that stretch your acting you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're very... And that's fine, because it's a big summer blockbuster, and people don't want to, like... It's like Marriage Story stretches your acting yeah. capabilities. You watch Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, and you watch her... I almost watched Black Widow this weekend, but I haven't watched any of the other Marvel movies except for, like, the first three, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to understand any of this. What did you watch this week, though? Um, I... I feel like there was a third thing I watched other than the movie we watched, other than your next, but I couldn't remember it when I was making notes, but I watched Fear Street 1974. 1977. The, 77. Is it 77? Whatever. Fear Street whatever. The the 70s one. And I really, really liked it. I watched it the day it came out. Oh yeah, I watched it too. Was just Duh, like, Brittany. <laughs> 78 is 78. I don't know why I thought it was exactly 20 years I thought it was 77. Okay, I thought it was 77. 78. Okay, 78. Know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. What I else? watched it too. Um, I really, really liked it. Yeah. I loved it. It Because it's basically like a sleepaway camp slash Friday the 13th ripoff. Yeah. So, and I, like, it's an homage. It's an homage. Um, But I really liked it. I think I liked it a little bit better than the first one. I think because it is more structured, like... A familiar horror movie and I think it like it did a really good job being an homage I think Sadie Sink does a really really good job um also there's spoiler alert there's a little twist I, yeah. I, I didn't think it was a twist at the end where they're like oh you're this character not this character because there's two sisters involved and one of them dies and one of them doesn't and the whole time you know the girl has a nickname that starts with the Z and so they're like, oh, you're this girl, not this other sister? And I'm like, that obviously is not her legal name. But Y'all, come on. I will say this, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, but as we were seeing the two sisters get taken down, the one that was getting the axe to the chest, I was like, there's no way she could survive this. I was like, I was told Taylor, right. I was like, she, got, she just got axed to the chest five times. There is no way to survive this. And they spent too much time on the younger sister and her relationship with um good nick yeah they spent too much too much time on them i was like she's gonna be the one to survive it because obviously he would try to save her first before her sister yeah because he's the one that's gonna be you know the counselor that saves her but you know i still felt really bad for her sister though yeah but i was like when they were like oh my god you're the sister and i was like Bitch, when did you think she wasn't? Like, I was like, wait, that was the one thing that I was like, what? <coughs> but the, the third one comes out on Friday. There was a clever nod, I think, to know that Siggy wasn't the real name. It's because her dog is named Major Tom. And I was like, she likes Siggy Stardust. That makes total sense. Uh, yeah. Also, <coughs> you know, 
she well one ziggy's not someone's legal name even in the 70s because she would have been named in the 60s yeah and bowie wasn't big in the 60s um but like ziggy's not someone's legal name that's a nickname um what was i gonna say (laughs) to oh also like um oh the third one's coming out i started re i started reading my old fear street books that i have i want to go second charles and get some more (laughs) but i started reading one of my favorites that i remember are you okay yeah just water yeah water went down the wrong pipe Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh god, Brittany's gonna die. Oh no. Um, but um what was I saying? Yes. So um I started rereading some of the Fear Street books that I started I read when I was a kid because I had found some at a used bookstore and I they still hold up. They're fun. They're fun, they're short, quick reads, and um I don't know if all the jokes are gonna hold up because these books were written in the nineties. Um, but if you're feeling nostalgic for the 90s and you like horror stories, I would highly recommend any Fear Street novels. Um, there's also some that are Arl Stein. I think they're called The Point that I have a couple of those too. That's like, it's basically Fear Street, but it's not on Fear Street. It's not like in Shady Side. It's like a Shady Side adjacent. Um, but I've been trying to find the, the Fear Street Saga ones, which is like, Basically, kind of what the movies are doing is going back to Sarah Fear. I never got to read those ones because they were always checked out of the library. And I still haven't read them. And I want to find those because I'm curious if it's close to the books. I don't think it is. Um, I also watched False Positive on Hulu. Ah. Which, so, it's Ilana Glazer and Pierce Brodnett is like, Priest Brosnan is, like, the villain. And then, oh, shit. Jennifer Aniston's ex-husband, Justin Thoreau. Justin Thoreau. He's a very handsome man. Um, It's basically, like, she and her husband are trying to get pregnant. And they can't get pregnant naturally. So they go to this doctor who says he'll take care of them. And he's, like, this renowned uh, fertility specialist. And then things get weird during the pregnancy. Um, It started out really interesting i will say alana glazer should wear her hair straight more often because like she looks really good with straight hair um because she usually has really curly hair and i was like she looks so pretty with straight hair which i'm sure is a bitch to like deal with on a daily basis but she looks absolutely gorgeous and put together in this movie um and all the performances are good but like it's after about 25 minutes you see where the movie's going and it's very predictable and it's got a kind of interesting, like, at the very, very end, there's a weird ending, but, like, it's not that weird. So, it's not, I was excited because A24 also produced it, but it was on Hulu, and I was kind of like, well, maybe this will be good, because A24 produced it, but I don't think A24, like, produced it, produced it. I think they just were like, here's some money. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem... Like, because they're also, like, The Green Knight is coming out. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I actually read, I'm sure everyone's read Sir Gowan and The Green Knight. But, like, because you have to read in high school in America, at least. I don't know everywhere, but America you do. But, like, I'm excited. It looks cool. And um, the commercials have been really entertaining. Also, they made a tabletop board game for it which like i kind of want to buy but i'm also like will i actually play it probably not but i love that a24 does that um but yeah that's really i feel like there was something else i watched and i can't 
remember. I will say New Girl has become my comfort TV show. Um, which I watched New Girl when it first came out, and then I kind of just hadn't watched it in a really long time. I would catch, like, the odd episode. Like, I remember watching the episode where Prince guest starred. Um, and I watched, like, the odd episode here or there, but I didn't really get the whole plot structure. But I've started watching it from episode one. I like it because they're, they're, I like the little romantic stories that are going, like, that wo- are woven in throughout the season. Yeah. But it's generally, like, a you can tune in and enjoy the episode no matter what kind of show yeah um which is like it's just nice it's a nice easy watch so um thank you new girl um me and gizmo have been watching that a lot so yeah well i guess with that let's get back into the movie yes okay (laughs) so yes okay so Yes, Brittany picked this movie this week. This is a movie we've been wanting to do for a while. Yes. And I'm going to let you intro it because it's your movie. It's Brit's pick. Yeah, so I love this movie. Um, As we said earlier, it was released in theaters in 2013. I actually saw this with Taylor right as we first started dating. So this was like eight years ago. Yeah. And I remember even leaving the theater just loving this movie. And I am surprised because this movie had very mixed reviews. There are people like me that absolutely love it. And there's people who are like, I don't like it. It was not good. I've seen this before. A typical home invasion movie. But... We'll get into why this is different than most home invasion movies. We'll we'll get into that. Why? Yeah, actually, especially because yeah, literally Simon Barrett says he wrote it as a challenge to himself to not be a typical home invasion movie because he was like, I will not have anyone tied up on a chair. Yeah, that's my challenge to myself. Yes. So I find it anything but typical. I, I thought it was like a subversion of expectations in the best way possible. I always think of it as like an adult Home Alone film. It's like- yeah, <laughs> it is supposed to be a dark comedy. They yeah. wrote it as a dark comedy, yeah. But like, I think a lot of people take it way more seriously than that. But you can kind of like see that in the guest as well because we did the guest last year, and there's a lot of dark comedy in the guest. Yeah, and um, I think if you maybe don't know that going into it, you might think it's just a really disturbing action movie. Um, but. This movie, I think, is the same way. Like, if if you go into it knowing the sense of humor of the writer and director, I think you understand what they're trying to do. I'm lucky because I watch Red Letter Media a lot, and Simon Baird actually went on and did an interview about the guest, and then he did an episode of Best of the Worst, and he's very sarcastic and sardonic, and um, I was like, oh, okay, I get this guy. So re-watching your next after hearing interviews with him and seeing him interact with people, I actually found it more funny. Yeah. This last time. Also, I made my parents watch it with me, which was hilarious. They liked it a lot, um, but they had very funny theories about the uh, the killers in this movie. <laughs> like, my dad was like, it's a cult! And my mom was like, why did my mom say My mom said something else. She's like, I don't know. What's wrong with these people? She didn't say it like that, but she... My dad was like, I bet it's a cult. And I was like, I don't know. I wasn't going to spoil it for them. But um, there were some things they pointed out. Like uh, at some point somebody gets a glass shard in their leg. And my dad was like, oh, my God. Why would you pull that out? My mom's like, it's just superficial because she has nurse's eyes. So she's like, no, that's superficial. You can pull that out. So (laughs) I was like, like, really? Because it's really long. She's like, "Eh, if it's superficial, it's fine. 
I was like, oh, okay. Oh, prove me wrong. Okay. Because I always thought that part was stupid when the person pulls the glass shard out of their leg. Yeah. And then my mom was like, nah, you'd be okay. She's like, I mean, you need to get medical help eventually, but you'd be okay for a little while. I was like, all right. Interesting. Unless it, like, went through and through. Yeah. Then it might uh, hit an artery. Anyways. Yes. uh, Yeah, but it's always fun to watch a movie you've seen before with an audience that has never seen it before and see what they pick up on. That's true. Also, we tried to watch it on Hulu, and Hulu was having a hell of a of a time oh wow so we ended up watching it on epics yeah it kept it paused like every two seconds so we went on amazon prime because it's also being shown on epics and ended up watching it and it was uninterrupted the whole time so i don't know and it was at the same like internet so i don't know why hulu was having like a server problem interesting that night i think yeah because we watched it on hulu with no issue at all but Another thing I really like about this movie, and as we go over, like, director, writer, actors, um, yeah. it's literally like if a bunch of friends made a movie together. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like... Well, because a lot of the people in the movie work together. They're part of, like, the mumble gore. Yeah. G gore. Instead of mumblecore horror kind of genre, and they they do a lot of the same movies together. Like a lot of them did segments for VHS mm-hmm. and the ABCs of Death and VHS Two. Um, so I was seeing that it was just a it was a theme. Like I was like, oh, I was looking on their IMDb's. I was like, oh, this person directed this and this person acted in that. And that it's if you could make a chart of all of these people, yeah. it would be like their Venn diagram would be like one big circle. Yeah. Which I love. I think it's, like, really, really cool. And as we, like, said, it was, of course, um, directed by Adam Wingard, who uh, is really cool. He was, um, he was born in, wait, am I losing my mind? Yes, I am. Sorry. Born in Tennessee. Yeah, born in Tennessee, raised in Alabama. Um, So he, I think, identifies Mm -hmm. as an Alabamian, so, which is really cool. Hello. We are also local Alabamians. Hey, friends. Hi. Um, he, he directed, he, he grew up in the county that we went to school in, Shelby County. That is awesome. That is awesome. So, in a city that I'm very familiar with, and you're very familiar with, that we used to go to, in, well, he, he said it on a newspaper article, so I don't think we're outing him by saying he grew up in Clear, Alabama. Yeah. Which is the good Walmart to go to if you go to Montefiallo. That's true. So. (laughs) Yeah. And it has a Publix now. It does. it's even fancier now. It is pretty fancy now. But he, um, directed, um, and edited, uh, your next, um, and of mm-hmm. course he also directed the guest, the Blair Witch like reboot remake movie. Uh, he did Death Note, like Netflix Death Note, and yeah, and, and Death Godzilla, Note. yeah, and Godzilla versus Kong. Ooh. Godzilla versus Kong was actually, and apparently yeah. everyone loves Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I caught it when it was still on HBO Max. So unless it's still on there, I still haven't watched it. Um, but I, thing is, like with Adam Wingard, like when he's on, he's really good. But I think he seems to thrive when it's when he's working with his group of friends, and like when he does studio things. I don't think it's him so much as the studios because I saw part of Death Note, and I I see why people have problems with it. I'm not a Death Note stan. I've watched most of it, um, but I'm not like. I like it, but I'm not, like, it's not, like, my obsession. Yeah. Whereas I know some people, like, that is that is the anime, that is the standard of anime that they love. And so to not have it interpreted correctly, I, I get why people are upset. I don't, it didn't seem as bad as I think people 
made it out to be. And also, I think Willem Dafoe was a good choice. Yeah. Fun. But I don't understand why a white kid was playing the main character. Yes. Also, Lakeith Stanfield's in it, so. Yes, he plays L. He know. plays L in the live action Death Note, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I am actually very middle ground Death Note. It's not my favorite anime. It's not my least favorite anime. Yeah. I will say when I started watching it, I did become addicted to the point that I did finish the entire series in like two days. Um, and Mabel... I don't think I've finished it, Mabel's, but it's good. Mabel's middle like, name is Rim. I watched Rim. a lot of it. Mabel's middle name is Rim, and that's actually <laughs> Misha Simi- uh, Misha's uh, Shimagami. It's, so that's where Mabel's middle name comes um, from. It's not rapid eye movement, um, like a lot of people think. So. <laughs> right. I mean, I I liked it. I haven't finished it. I, I watched a lot of it all at once, and then, like I do a lot of times, got distracted and didn't finish it. Um, but I wanted to finish it before I watched the movie, so I watched the beginning of the movie. It was kind of like, eh. But, like, here's the thing. Like, I don't think everyone is a perfect, unless you're, um, Stanley Kubrick. I don't think everyone's a perfect director. Everyone's gonna have some movies that are good and bad. And I think Adam Wingard, his quality is good. It seems to be more questionable studio decisions. Like, why did you base it in America, not Japan? Yeah. Why did you, like, I mean, and that's not really, like, his fault, you know, that at all. And the Blair Witch 2016, uh, I know Simon Barrett was joking about it on the Red Letter Media thing. Like, they know that it was kind of, like, not their best, but they actually agreed to do it before they started filming The Guest. But I think The Guest was more of a passion thing for them. Yeah. And I think they've kind of, like, they still seem to be friends and work together, but I think they've done a lot of stuff separately. Yeah. And I think they work so well together. I hope they do a couple more projects together because I like their voices together. Yeah, they're a fun team. You know? They absolutely are. And, of course, Katie is referring to Summer Barrett as the scriptwriter. He also played Tiger Mask um, in this movie, mm-hmm. so he's one of the salients. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, so he's the writer for this movie. He wrote The Guest, which is another previous Grindhouse Girl podcast movie we've done. Uh, Blair Witch 2016, mm-hmm. Temple, and he directed and wrote the movie Seance that just came out this year, which I'm not curious yeah. about. So I know. I want to see it, too. And also he did a segment on VHS 2 where he directed, which I've seen Amateur Night from VHS because I heard that was the best segment of VHS. So I did actually watch that one. I think it's the first movie on there, which is actually a really good, interesting segment. Um, but I haven't watched all of the VHS movies, so I haven't seen his. I, I will say, um, I think it's a... seems really cool. I think it's a testament to VHS is that I've watched them, and, like, I was kind of freaked out by them. So I think that's, that's, a, that's saying something. It's a very uncomfortable thing, <laughs> um, because they are set up, they are set up essentially like snuff films, is what the VHS segments are like. They're yeah. essentially snuff films, so they're very realistic looking. Um, in my opinion, and they're usually very disturbing, and some of them make no fucking sense whatsoever. Um, but that's kind of life. Uh, so I was very uncomfortable, but I did see VHS 1, 2, and 3. And I think VHS 2 is probably the most disturbing to me of the three of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't even realize there was a third one. Yeah. When did they come out with the third one? I think a couple years ago. I think I watched it a couple years ago now. I'm gonna make sure that I'm not losing my mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, you're probably right. But I don't think any of the people involved in your next were involved with it because I saw a lot of VHS too. Because Ty West, who plays Tariq, and Joe Swanberg, who plays Drake in this movie, also are directors as well. And they also, um, I think, 
I think both of them, or at least one of them, directed something on those and the ABCs of death. The ABCs of death have, has never really interested me. And I will say this just very quickly. Um, so VHS3 is actually called VHS Viral. So I did just want to say that. So correction oh, okay. on my part. Um, but I haven't seen the ABCs right. of death either. So They didn't really appeal to me. I was like, so it's just how to die? There was a TV show in the early 2000s. Yes! like a hundred ways to die yeah and there was one where a lady masturbated with a, like a cucumber and it it cut her yes. her t- her vaginal lining so, her cervix or whatever and she had like a uh what's your like a blood clot from it like and it killed her no lie and that like i was like oh my god it traumatized so me. i think the show was called like a thousand one ways to die and there was one i remember where yeah. the um the lady was a stewardess on the plane and a part of the plane panel came off and sucked her out and i was going down the rabbit hole of weird deaths on wikipedia there is actually a wikipedia page dedicated to weird and unusual deaths and that person's death was on that page um yeah. do we want to talk about the cast a little we bit we do absolutely um, yeah so yeah, um, so we okay. have. Uh, I'll I'll start off, and you can take over a little bit too. Um, so I I think it goes without saying we have to mention Sharni Vinson, who plays Aaron. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to go into spoiler alerts, but I fucking loved her in this movie. Um, so she was born in Sydney, Australia. Uh, she kind of made, I guess, she became known for playing Natalie in Stepped Up 3D. So she's, like, one of the main protagonists in Stepped Up 3D. But she also did, like, a sequel um, to Blue Crush called Blue Crush 2. She was in Bait 3D and Patrick. I don't think she's done anything in the last couple years, though, when I was looking at her Wikipedia page. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. She was on a Australian TV sh- series called Home and Away as mm-hmm. well. Um, but, yeah, it seems like 2018 was maybe the last thing she did, but maybe she's taking semi-retirement. That yeah. happens. Oh, yeah. Um, or maybe the pandemic. I don't know. That's true, too. Um, but she does a really powerful performance as Aaron, who is a literature major in college, who's also dating Crispin and had an unusual upbringing. Yes. We'll just say that. Yes. I've... Which, I like that they don't spoil anything about her character until, like, you're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Into the thick of it. Into the thick of uh, it. Yes. Thick of it. We also. Ugh. Oh. Um, we have. Yeah, uh, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. No. We won't spoil it. Um, we also have Nicholas Tukey as Felix, who unfortunately passed away uh, just last year. Tushi. Tushi. Tukey. Tuchi. 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 He passed away. Tuchi. Ah. This this fine young gentleman uh, passed away last year from cancer. So unfortunately, um, yeah. the actor has passed away. But he had done some movies, so he is very memorable in this film. Um, he plays younger, and he's in a lot of TV guests. Yeah, oh yeah, he did Daredevil, The Blacklist, Quantico, and Rami, uh, or Rami. Um, and he has two movies in post production. So oh wow, um, and he plays the youngest brother who's a low life according to his older siblings. But yeah, I was really sad about that. I was like, this guy's really good. I want to see it. And I was like, oh, oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So I hate cancer. Um, but yeah, he's, I think he does a really good job in this movie. I thought he was really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, we also have Wendy Glenn SC. Um, she's Felix's girlfriend. Um, so Felix is the uh, the youngest brother of the family we just went over. Uh, she was in um, Waking Madison, uh, 11, 11, 11, which was easy to remember. Um, and Long 
and then uh, 500 miles north. Um, so I'll be honest, I wasn't really familiar. She's had she has a lot of acting credits under her belt, but I hadn't seen any of the movies yeah. she'd been in. So before this one, they seem. I, I'm not trying to be insulting. They seem kind of like you know, like the asylum that makes like ripoff movies. They seem to be those kinds of movies. Which, honey, take what you get. Yeah. Honestly, like, there's no shame in that at all. But it seemed to be more like those kinds of movies, like, super independent, like, out, like, I don't want to say copycat movies, because I'm not 100% sure. Hey, Siri, But that's, like, the the vibe I got from looking at the posters and stuff from the movies. Um, But, yeah, uh, I think she she does a pretty good job. I think she doesn't have a lot of screen time. Mm -hmm. Um, But what she does, we have. And then, of course, we have A.J. Bowen as Crispin. Which has the weirdest spelling of the name Crispin. It's like Crispian. Yeah. But it's Crispin. And I don't, I always call him Crispy. Like, All right. Like, me and Taylor call him Crispy. Like, because <laughs> it's just like, it's such a weird name oh. anyway. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to anyone out there listening to us that shares this name. It's just I've never met an actual person named that before. So, I've never met a Crispin in my entire life. I don't know if I've met a person, but I've definitely heard of people named Crispin. Yeah. It's a very pretentious name, which fits the character because he's like this slightly pretentious mediocre college professor who is dating Aaron and Aaron started out as his student isn't his student anymore um but um the real person AJ Boehm uh describes himself as an art house filmmaker um which is not a bad thing he just he does mostly art house films and he was in the guest as well which I don't remember which part he played but I was like oh okay we've seen something he's in and a few other, like The Sacrament, which I think one of the other cast members directed, and The Signal, oh. which I've heard a lot of things about The Signal. And he's in The House of the Devil, too, because I have seen The House of the Devil, and um, it yeah. is, it's a, it's a good movie. It's kind of like a low-key horror film, a kind of like one of those heredity, yeah. it's a slow burn, but I really liked it, so. Well, that's what Ty West, who plays Tariq, directed yeah. it. So... Um, he actually has directed a lot of stuff, which I found it was funny. His character is like a documentary film director. Yeah. And I was like, that is obviously a wink and a nod um, <laughs> to, to like all of the people making the movie. I'm sure that was a big inside joke. Um, I don't really have anything about Sarah Myers, who plays Kelly. Yeah, I don't who either. Is Drake, the middle brother's um, wife. Um, but I think she did a good job. Um Joe Swanberg plays Drake, who's the middle child. He he seemed like an oldest child, but he is actually the middle is child. Is he really? Simon oh, I thought he was yeah, the oldest, and too. and Crispin's the oldest. I had no idea. Crispin's the oldest. Wow. Yeah, that's what I... It was, there was a an interview with um, Simon Barrett, and he was like, so the oldest brother is Crispin, and I was like... Well, what? Yeah. Because I had him written down completely differently. Yeah. Um, but he's the more successful sibling, and he's married to Kelly. He's also a writer and a director... And he wrote the wrote and I think directed the Netflix series Easy. He did a segment for VHS. And there's this movie called The Rental that has a lot of interesting actors in it that like I think is streaming now that he just recently wrote. Um and it looked interesting. I feel like Dave Franco maybe directed it. I feel like that's how I heard about it. It was like, Dave Franco directed a movie, but it looked interesting. It's like people go to, like, an Airbnb and something bad happens. And um, it looked cute. I And creepy. Like The Lodge, but more 
relationship drama. If we're talking also about the VHS uh, segments, what I thought was cool about Joe Swanberg, so he directed one segment in VHS, which was the sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger, but he was the lead actor in the other segment, Second Honeymoon, and of course Second Honeymoon was um, directed by Ty West. So I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it's secular. Secular. <laughs> what? Circular? Circular. Oh my god. Yeah. It's a cycle. Like it's, but that's cool. Like I like that they all direct each other. Yeah, it's cute. Um, I will say probably next to well, I want to talk about Aubrey, of course. But I guess before we get to the parents, we should finish talking about the children. Um, Amy Simetz plays Amy, um, who's like the baby and the princess of the family. She's been in so much stuff. She did. Okay, so get this. I didn't realize she. I actually. Um, this is gonna sound weird, but there's a movie called Risk Cutters: A Love Story, and I was like, oh my god, she is in Risk Cutters: oh, yeah. A Love Story. She's in Lena Dunham's directorial yeah. debut, which was Tiny Furniture. I didn't fucking yeah. realize she was an upstream color, and she's Rachel in Pet Cemetery remake. Like blew yeah. my mind. Oh yeah, upstream color. That was the one that I haven't watched yet, but I've been wanting to watch. Um, I've heard really good things about it. Um, she's in Sweet Tooth, which I know is on Netflix right now. The Pet Cemetery. She was in the Get Shorty TV series and the Girlfriend Experience TV series, which are both based on movies. And she's Eleven's biological aunt in Stranger Things. <gasps> you know what else she was in? She was in The Myth of the American Sleepover, which is uh, David Mitchell's um, directorial debut. Uh, am I listening? David Robert Mitchell? Yes, it follows his director. Okay. Yeah. I think that I think that's right because yeah. I feel like when we were talking about um, it follows and uh, under the Silver Lake, yeah, because that's David Robert Mitchell. I feel like we mentioned that one too, and I haven't seen it. But she was also she's also in the Sacrament, which is I can't remember which person, but another um, actor director of that one. And she was in the Killing, which I loved the Killing. Oh, that was such a good show. Um, at least the first couple seasons. I started watching the third season where it was more about homeless teens, which is a very important issue, but the story wasn't as cohesive. So I kind of, like, stopped watching after a while. But I really, really, really liked the first two seasons of The Killing, where there, it was about the Rosie Larson murder. Um, I, I watched it. It came out when we were in college. Like, I watched it on, like on the internet wherever I could find it. I think it might have been one of the first things I watched on Netflix when it became like an online thing because originally Netflix was just DVDs yeah. and I was like, oh my god, I love this. I don't know. It was a great series. Um, uh, I, We have to talk about, do you want to talk about the guy that plays Paul, Rob Moran? Because I don't have anything on him but I have a lot on Yeah, Aubrey. I feel bad because I, I kind of just looked at his Wikipedia and I will say this, so if you look at Paul uh, Rob Moran, um, you will see like he has a shit ton of TV credits. So I mean he he's a like he's an actor. Yes. He's he's starred in a lot of stuff. Nothing really to me uh worth mentioning. However, he has appeared um most notably in a lot of the Farley Brothers films. So he was in Dumb and Dumber, There's Something About Mary, Shallow Howl, and Hall Pass. So it seems like the Farley Brothers really like him and they keep casting Wait. him. He was on Matlock. Who was he on Matlock? Was he like in a guess in like one of the Apparently episodes? he was on Matlock too. Ah. No, it looks like he was on there for a while, but um, according to that. Yeah, his face was super, super familiar to me. And, but I couldn't, like, place him. But he's been in, like, Kingpin. There's something about Mary, like you said. Man, remember Shallow Hal? Yeah, I do that remember. That was a movie that actually happened. 
I I will admit I like that movie. I liked that, that movie when I was a kid. I liked it too, but it's funny that the guy that played the creepy like asshole um jack black is now like a really normal guy who seems really nice and gwyneth paltrow who played like the sweet lady is now like peddling allegedly peddling snake oil on the you know what's funny also about gwyneth paltrow is that she did shallow how after winning the uh best actress for shakespeare in love like, I will net She pulled a Halle Berry. Yeah, it's like, they always do Who that. Who the fuck cares what I do now? It's like, yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people... Because uh, Octavia Spencer did it, too, because she did that mom movie where she's just, like, going crazy. And it's hilarious. Um, but she's really good in it, but it's just not a good movie. Um, but, of course, this movie's kind of famous for bringing the incomparable Barbara Crampton out of retirement. She kind of... Went into retirement, I think, around 2000. She got married and had kids. And um, she... We know her from Reanimator. She has a fearless, amazing performance in Reanimator. We've talked about it. We love her um, so much. Uh, she wears a really, really stupid nightgown. Um, <laughs> but she's fucking beautiful and completely and totally fearless. We love her. And... Um, she was also in From Beyond, Chopping Mall, and um, she's back into horror, and I watched an interview with her, and she's just kind of like, you know, I did The Young and the Restless when I was really young, and she did that off and on throughout, I think, 2007, she was on The Young and the Restless, which is a soap opera, if y'all don't know what that is, because, I don't know, nowadays, maybe people don't even know what The Young and the Restless is, um, but she did a lot of horror just because she, that was the job she was getting. Um, but when she came back doing your next, she kind of realized like that this is her home. These are her people. And so she's pretty much been doing horror movies since coming back from retirement. And she did, we are still here, which I haven't watched yet, but I've heard really good things about. And there's a movie that she just finished. That's coming on shutter. I think next week, uh, next month called Jacob's wife. And it's about a pastor's wife played by Barbara Crampton um, who is, um, like, she gets bit by a vampire and starts, like, becoming a vampire. But she feels, like, empowered because she's not living her small-town pastor's wife life anymore. Um, so, anyways, I think this movie is kind of cool for doing that. Yeah. And, um, for bringing her out of retirement because we love Barbara Crampton. She's, she's a queen. She also. We stand her. We stand her. We also, um, I figured it was worth mentioning. She's in the Lords of Salem too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think, I don't know, should we tell them? So we'll just say this. That is a movie we are planning to do in the future. So, and we'll just keep it at that for now. Yes. Um, so that's on our list. With something special. Yes, with something, yes. with something, with someone special. So yeah, with someone special. With someone special. Someone special. Someone special. And last but not least, these are all people who are movie directors, writers with this mumble gore group. Elsie Holt, Simon Barrett, and Lane Hughes play, we'll just call them the animals, the masked people. Um, and they're all filmmakers yeah. who work together on a lot of different things, I will, which I find interesting. I will say, because it will come into play when we describe what happens to these characters. Simon Barrett is tiger mask, Elsie <laughs> Holt is lamb mask, yes. and then Lane Hughes is Fox Mass. And uh, Lang Hughes was born in Hartsell, yes. Alabama, so shout out to another Alabamian. 
Hey, Fred. Hi, Lane Houston. I know where hearts live. Yeah. There's a lot of Alabama people. Y'all, like, y'all want to make some movies? Like, I want to make some movies. I don't think anyone makes movies in Alabama, though, because we don't have as good tax breaks as Georgia has. That's why Georgia has more movies made. That's because true. Because they have better tax breaks. Anyways, I guess we should get kind of into spoilers. Yeah. If we're going to go into the plot. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, it's on Hulu. It's on Epics. Please watch it. It's I, I think it's, if you're a horror fan, you're going to love this movie. There's lots of gore. There's an interesting plot. And um, it, it's it's a subversion on a home invasion film. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I don't think... I don't understand people... I, I guess I just don't know any of the people who don't like this movie. Yeah. Like, I don't know anyone who doesn't like this movie. So when you were like, oh, some people hate this movie, I'm like, really? Like, I've never met anyone who don't doesn't like this movie. Yeah, and if you, like, even remotely try to look up reviews on this film, it is 50-50 split on how people feel about it. Weird. Yeah. Um, but I will give... Weird. I thought this was such a solid, I know, I love like, this movie. movie. I love it, too. Um, I'm going to give a very quick synopsis. Again, we are talking about Your Next is currently streaming on Hulu and on Epics uh, for Amazon Prime, which is where Kaylee, Katie watched it. Um, and what starts out as a family reunion among the estranged Davison family soon becomes a bloodbath as they are attacked by masked assailants. Little do the assailants know, there is someone in the Davison's mist that knows how to fight back. Bum, bum, bum. It's an interesting movie. It is, yes. Also, the cool thing is they filmed this whole movie, like, in a house that had been abandoned for, like, 12 years. Yeah. So, in Missouri, which I have a friend whose family lives in Missouri. This is scary. It's almost as scary as Mississippi, y'all. Unless it's St. Louis. St. Louis is different. But, uh, yeah. It's not a fun place. It's a very isolated place. Um, which is why this movie makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you want to start yeah. going through a little bit of the plot? I, we'll try to be as brief as possible because we've talked a little bit longer yeah. than normal um, about stuff. But we want to hit the point. We do. So we got in three, two, one. Spoiler territory. So the film opens up with Talia and Eric having sex. Um, and so it's like you can tell right away Talia is younger than Eric. And it's like his focus is on Talia. She doesn't seem really satisfied in the relationship. My parents were really weirded out by that, by the yeah. way. They were like, hey, she is a lot younger than Yes, him. like you automatically, and it does explain that later, that you're just like, okay, yeah, but exactly, you can tell she's younger. So, uh, Eric gets out of the shower. And annoyed. And what? And annoyed. And annoyed. She seems very not pleased by the sex. Yeah, and she's not pleased at all. Um, so when Eric gets out of the shower, he finds your next right on the window in her blood. She's dead on the floor, and an attacker wearing a corrected. attacker wearing a lamb mask kills him with a machete. Okay, so I actually was reading, and turns out in the original script, there was an old man that was their neighbor who finds his dog decapitated before he's killed. Aww. And yeah, and so and the producers basically were like, "Please, please rewrite that." And I was like, "I didn't realize I was a producer on this film." So. <laughs> Right? <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, I can get why you would write it that way because I feel like you'd probably be like, oh, that's maybe less scary to have an animal die. But I think maybe we underestimate how attached people are to animals. Yeah. So in that case, the producer probably was right. Um, yeah. But that would have made me really sad. I will say I am impressed that the killers that write your next always write it grammatically correctly, yeah. which I appreciated it. Because I feel like, I feel like in almost every, like, actual crime scene photo, 
I've seen like people miswrite things. Yeah. And they almost it's almost always they're doing it on purpose because they don't want to get caught. They want to blame it on somebody else. And they're like like the like the the ransom note for John Benet Ramsey yeah. where it's like written weirdly because they're trying to pin it on a specific person. Also like in yeah. your next that the way it's almost like it's like really it's not like drippy or anything. Like if you look at the way they write it, there's like no blood dripping or anything. It's just like really solid. Like they went over their finger painting skills like multiple times. Like it's very it's very and it's and they they use it well. They use it well and it's interesting. Yeah, I like it and you know, I don't honestly the um I don't know if the title really makes sense with the plot but i feel like it i almost like that because you're more surprised with where the story goes in this movie by just being like oh my god they write your next yeah. and it's like that's not really the point of the movie but it hides it so it can like kind of surprise you yeah. towards the end um so we we see um paul and aubrey the parents of the davisons driving past the house where the people just got killed at and they see the guy's car there and they just kind of casually mentioned like the the paul's like hey yeah i heard he left his wife for a college student and aubrey's like oh that's so sad but at least we'll have neighbors i guess because we're so isolated up here so like i love how their writing is pretty smooth it's like natural feeling but they're giving you enough information that you're like okay they're isolated this is the only neighbor near them that's obviously important and um they have no idea a lot of people have said that this is like the ticking clock, like ticking bomb, like a Alpha Hitchcock kind of thing. Yeah. Where like you know that they're assailants. This family doesn't know, and when are they going to find out? I honestly think I got distracted more by the family drama, which is what I think a lot of people probably got distracted by the family drama. Which then, when the first attack happens, it's like so, like oh shit, yeah. oh yeah, I forgot. Like for me, I was like, oh, I love this. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like into drama. Not in my real life, but in, like, movies and shit. Um, Because, like, so Aubrey and Paul go there. They're going to this country house. Paul has just retired. So I'm guessing this is a house that, like, either they've had in the family and haven't been to a lot. Or, like, they bought for their retirement kind of vacation home. Because they mentioned that workers have been here. And the door's unlocked. And they're like, well, that's weird. Um, And Aubrey is we find from Aaron and Crispin as they're simultaneously driving up separately that they're they, they're not going to have any like hard liquor at the house because his mom's on medication Aubrey's on medication so obviously like, she's probably has like some kind of like nerves issue like maybe she's like gone through some anxiety kind of stuff and so like when she thinks she hears someone upstairs Paul goes and sees and he gets interrupted, but, like, she's, like, crying in the front yard. So it's kind of, like, they kind of dismiss her concerns of, like, hey, we shouldn't be in this house. Which is really like, sad. Oh, she's just having anxiety. Yeah, she's it's like, really sad. Yeah. It's I mean, they're not doing it in a harsh or mean no. way. It's just, like, oh, mom was always like that. So, you know, it's nothing to worry about, sweetie. But it bothers me because Paul is about to open this one door and then Crispin interrupts him, and then he doesn't go back and check the door. Yeah. And my paranoid ass is like, what the, the fuck? You checked that second door, sir. And then he tells his wife, oh, we checked the whole second floor. It's fine. And it's like, no, you did not. But so Aaron is Crispin's girlfriend. They've been dating a while. He's a college professor. 
she's a I think grad student it seems like because she was his TA in literature and she's Australian originally and uh, this takes place in America obviously which I did think it was it's interesting like it, it I like that they just kept that she's Australian yeah. that they weren't just like we're gonna make you have an American accent they're just like let's just make her from Australia because it's plausible that someone would move to America I like you know, especially from Australia, like moving from England, Ireland, Australia is so much easier to move to America because you already speak English. Yeah. So it's not like you have to learn a new language. It's like a lot of American students will go to like England for like exchange trips because they're like, oh, well, I mean, I don't have to learn, learn a new language. So this is the easiest place to go to, you know, or Canada. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if a lot of people go to Canada, but um, Canada is just very cold, very pretty, but very cold. Um but anyways, um, we kind of meet the whole family, and they're, and they're dysfunctions, yeah. let's just say, because, so Crispin's the oldest, but he's bullied by his middle brother, Drake, who is more successful than him. His dad makes a comment, he's like, how did that fellowship go um, that you were applying for? And he's like, oh, I didn't get it, but you know, I haven't been published, so that's probably why I didn't get it. And his dad's like, well, you know... People who haven't been published have gotten fellowships before, too. So you can know that Crispin's, like, I don't think any of his parents, like, hate him. I think they just, like, expected more of him. And they're disappointed that he's not as successful as some of his siblings. Um, But Drake is very successful. He's married to Kelly, who's a little stuffy, but nice. Um, uh, There's their only daughter's name is Amy. And she's, like, daddy's little princess. She's dating this documentary film director whose name is Tariq. Tariq has only done one movie in, like, five years. So, like, calling himself a filmmaker is, like, you know, like, we're podcasters, but we also have, like, day jobs because it's not paying the bills yet. So, like, I know that's probably an inside joke. Yeah. With the well, writers yeah, and the director. I did see that uh, a lot of the dinner scene was improvised, too, and basically Tariq, what he was yeah. saying, like, what... What Ty was saying is improvising as Tariq is a lot of conversations he's had with his family members over the year. Because just, like, trying to explain oh. what they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've all had yeah. those. Yeah. We've all had those. Like, so so you're studying theater. What are you going to do with that degree? Podcast. Theater? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Podcast. Yeah. Like, I'm still using my degree, damn it. Um, and the last sibling we meet is the youngest brother, Felix. Yeah, Felix, Yeah, right? Felix. And he is dating the sullen Z with two E's, uh, which my dad automatically did not like Z. He's like, she's in on it from day one. He was like, it's her eyeliner. <laughs> I don't trust her. She has an attitude. And I was like, damn. Um, and I was like, I couldn't remember exactly who, what happened. Because I hadn't seen it in years. So I was like, I don't know. Um... And uh, Felix is kind of, like, I would say the slacker of the family. Like, at one point, someone says, like, of course you would know about this thing because you're, you know, low life. But I think he's more of, like, the slacker of the family. Like, he doesn't really apply himself, it seems like. Um, and Aaron's like, really, like, excited to meet people. She's, um, she doesn't really, she makes a comment to Crispin that he's really lucky to have such a welcoming family because some people aren't that lucky. Um... And she is so, like, enthused to help out that she asks Audrey, like, Aubrey, can I, can I help with something? 
And she's like, well, you know what? I'm almost out of milk. Can you go ask the neighbor? And she goes to the neighbor's house. And this bothered me. because She knocks on the door. Nobody answers. But she never went around the house to see. And my dad was like, yeah, because you don't want to get on someone's property. And I was like, yes, you do. That's how people end up murdered when you're not nosy. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, to me, if nobody answers the door and there's a car there, it's someone I'm semi-familiar with. I'm going to, like peek around the back to make sure they're not like dead you know or at least call the cops or something be like hey this guy's car's there can you do a wellness check i don't know that's my paranoid ass i don't know but that bothered me i was like mm, y'all wouldn't you check but maybe she's just nervous I don't maybe know. she's like trying to be think? polite too like because of it was because it's one thing they know their neighbor yeah. but she doesn't know the neighbor as well so and in Alabama, you True. may also get True. a shotgun in your face, too. Like, if you go around. Well, this is... Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Well, it's... Hopefully you're also packing, so you just both draw on each other and go, like, who are you? Exactly. That's, so, that's, that's life that in true. Alabama. It's like Texas here. <laughs> Anyways, um, do you want to take over for the dinner scene? Yeah. We learn more about the dysfunctions? So, yeah. Um, sorry, my notes were a little bit shorter. So, it's like, uh, they mentioned the family hasn't seen each other all together in years, so it's been a while. Um, Drake is Drake is a bully. Um, and the family is kind of arguing at dinner. I think it kind of bothered me a little bit because, like, Drake is just watching, like, Crispin and, um, and Aaron be happy. And he's, like, kind of has to, like, ruin it. He has to, like, say something. And Crispin's like, oh, he's needling Yeah, him. he's like, what did you yeah. say? And he's like, oh, nothing. He's like, no, what'd you say? And they start arguing, and Dad's like, oh, guys, like, maybe we should stop arguing. And next thing you know, everyone's arguing, except for Tariq, who's, like, looking out the window. He's like, oh, I think I see something. Or, you know, he's curious. And then he gets an arrow to the head. Um, And that's the first official death in the family, is poor Tariq with the arrow to the head. So... Yeah, and it was, I felt bad, because, like, he was just visiting. I think my mom was like, he was just visiting. That's not fair. Um, Which I do feel like that was really shitty, you know, when we'll talk about the end of the movie. Like, there's some casualties that in the the logic of the movie was like, wouldn't you have, like, talked about how to do that? But I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like this scene, too, because it it gets really chaotic, but immediately, like, everyone breaks down, because I think that's a good point, and I feel like Simon, I can't remember, like, who said it, but a lot of people, when you're under a stressful situation, um, unless you've been rigorously trained to keep a cool head, a lot of the things you would logically think of go out the window. Like, my dad was like, like, Aaron comes up with a plan to use the the dining chairs to block. Um, But, like, my dad was like, well, why didn't they just crawl? They don't need to, like, bother with the chairs. And I was like, Dad, you don't know what you would be like in this situation either. So, like, I feel like it's a good plan. And I think, and I told him, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's so they can have the scene where she's the last one running and an arrow goes through the chair and it's, like, fun. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's a movie thing. But, you know, Erin has a very calm head about everything and she's immediately, like, here's what we need to do. We need to get out of this room. We need to get away from the windows. We need to get your sister away from her dead boyfriend. 
and um, we need to go into the foyer where there's not as many windows. And, I love, and everyone's like, oh, I love too okay. because the automatic dynamic too is that here's Aaron, who's like this petite woman who automatically goes into survival mode and a stranger. Yeah, and then Drake is Drake and a is like the, to the Drake is like this big dude who like seriously just they're all freaking the fuck out. But I think Drake is having the worst freak oh, out of all of them. So the second time Drake does get hit in the shoulder yes. with an arrow. And he was trying to move his mom out, yes, out he was. of the way. He was. he was trying to protect his mom. I didn't catch it the first time. I was like, what an idiot. And then I was like, oh, well, he was trying to protect his yeah, mom. Yeah, because so, she's still screaming. You know, like, yeah. She, yeah, she's just, like, standing up screaming. Um, she is a scream queen, after all, Barbara Crampton. And they kind of, like, they go into the foyer and they realize that they're kind of, like, Aaron's like, okay, where do we not have windows? And they're like, everywhere's windows. I don't know. And then someone tries to call on their cell phone, and the dad's like, I had signal earlier. And then uh, Felix is like, well, maybe they use cell phone blockers because, you know, you can get that on the internet for, like, 30 bucks. And Drake's needling him, and he's like, of course you know that, you lowlife. And you're like, oh, my God, shut the fuck up. I just thought... Like, and Drake's got an arrow in his shoulder. And this was interesting, too. So they, they decide for whatever reason, they're, like... They're like, we need someone to make a run for it. I think Felix is the one that says we need someone to make a run for it. And Aaron's like, no, stay uh-huh. in here. Don't leave. And then Amy, yes. as like Smart the youngest girl. and the perfectionist and the show off has to be like, I can do this. I can do this. I'm the fastest. And Felix is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She should do it. She should do it. She's the fastest. And I was like, oh. And let's wait till the last second to open the door. Yeah. And they do this. You know, I would forgotten about what happens. So I was like, why are they slow mowing? like they they do her running sequence in slow motion and my dad was like why is she i mean i know she took off her heels because of like she didn't want to run in heels but she was barefoot running into the woods i was like wouldn't you like grab your gym shoes from upstairs real quick like to me like i would like change into the most comfortable outfit like i'd be like i immediately need to put on shoes i can run in because this is gonna be shitty it's like whenever there's a tornado in alabama like, I always, like, grab my gym shoes and put them near me because I'm, like, I don't want to be running in my, like, flip-flops if my house gets destroyed. Yeah. But, you know, maybe she's not I thinking, also, but she runs straight. No, well, I also find the scene that I was, like, they're going to they're gonna shoot her with the arrow. Like, I just knew that was what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. Yeah, and it doesn't. It's worse. Honestly, this scene gets me. is because she runs straight into piano wire and just almost decapitates herself and like her parents have to watch her like bleed out on the carpet and it's so sad and it's it's horrifying and they don't cut away either and it's just it's really awful and Aubrey starts freak the mom starts freaking out understandably like and the dad's like let's take her upstairs and this bothers me because she's like stay with me and paul's like no i have to go check on the kids and i'm like no 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 no! you don't leave her alone why would you leave her alone and as everyone else is focusing on covering amy's dead body um i think tiger mask is it tiger uh, mask? La- I think uh, lamb tiger mask. mask i think it's lamb mask lamb mask is this part really creeped me out too is oh, fox under mask. The i'm bed. sorry fox mask go on fox <laughs> mask uh, there's, there's an assailant hiding under the bed, and he's gonna kill Aubrey, and it's, and he just, like, puts a machete in her face. It's 
it's really fucking awful. But then he also writes your necks on the wall in her yeah. blood. And we also have a cutaway. So while this is going on, um, Aaron's in survivor mode. So she automatically starts heating up like water on like a stove. And so, um, as Tiger Mask tries to, no, Lamb Mask is, tries to grab for Aaron. And one of the first like mm-hmm. genius things that you see her, she's, she's, she makes tons of smart decisions, but she literally takes a knife yeah. in her hand and just stabs him, like just goes for it. And I'm like, fuck she's like quick like she's like Aaron it it makes me think of like Roshak and Watchmen it's like you're 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 not uh I'm not stuck in here with you you're stuck in here with me like this is what I thought of the whole time watching Aaron (laughs) (laughs) my parents are both have black belts in martial arts and they were like good girl like they kept going like that is how you do that like that is how you protect yourself like, they were like, I like her. And I was like, yes, you're supposed to like Aaron. Aaron's a smart yeah. one. And I like it because you're not really sure. Like, she is kind of the main character. But, like, it's not until, like, she starts taking over that um, you're like, oh, no, this is who. This is our heroine. This is who we're following. Because yeah. up until the arrows start flying, it's much more of an ensemble kind of thing. Um, but she starts taking the lead. And she's so interesting. Um, and we have Kelly who tries to escape next. And she gets pretty far. Yeah. Um, she's pretty far. She gets to the neighbor's house and she starts pounding on his window and they've set up the neighbor's dead body. So it looks like he's just like watching TV on his couch. She's like, why the fuck won't you let me in? And she gets like tossed through the window by lamb mask. Um, and then just an ax to the head. Yeah. And I was like, oh, poor Kelly. I felt bad for Kelly. Yeah. Like, why didn't she just grab the neighbor's car? Well, I guess she didn't have the keys. Yeah. I don't know. That's why, like, home invasion movies are scary, because, one, it's everybody's nightmare. Um, That's why I have, like, several security cameras. Even, like, I just, like, I'm paranoid about it. Um, But, you know, there's also, like, what do you do? Like, what's your escape route? Like, what the fuck do you do at this point? Yeah. Like, it's scary to think. It is. And about... We yeah. do have, in the very next scene, it's like Crispin decides, he's like, I'm going to leave the house to get help. And um, and Tiger Mask actually comes in. He throws Kelly's body through the window and comes in. And I love, <sighs> this is like actually one of my favorite scenes of the whole film, is that he immediately, <laughs> this is a funny he scene. immediately tries to attack Aaron with an axe. Aaron, in like rapid succession, rolls over. The axe misses her. She kicks him in the nuts, which is like, Yes, like when you are in survivor mode, you get them in the nuts. Mm -hmm. He immediately goes to Mm -hmm. his knees, and she just picks up the fucking meat cleaver and starts whacking him with it. And Yeah, it's right as she's, like, telling them, like, we all need weapons. And then, like, the body gets thrown, and she, like, drops everything, but she grabs that. And and Felix and Z are right there, and they just, like, stand there mystified. Yeah. They're like, I don't know what to do. My parents were like, why aren't they helping she her? Even, she I love like, that, because mm, it's, they, like, she literally says that. She goes, she, like, wipes the blood, and she's like, thanks for the help. And uh, Felix is like, you seemed like you had it under control. Like, <laughs> so she even, like, says it. She's mm-hmm. like, thanks for the help. But, yeah, it's like. And this is, like, where the tables turn, yeah. too, because, like. Up until then, the family's been terrorized, and now, like, Aaron's, like, completely massacred one of the attackers, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And you see that, um, Lamb Mask sees Tiger Mask dead, and 
gets emotional yeah. and starts crying about it. And you're like, oh, so, like, they're somehow closer than just uh, co-assailants. Yeah. And so that's when you're like, oh, now it's their turn to get terrorized, which is, like, it's a it's a power struggle, which I think is interesting in this it movie. It is, yeah. But I'll let you keep no, going, because I'm talking No, you're good. You're good. You can talk. You can talk anytime you want. Um, So we find Paul, who, of course, movie. once again is the patriarch, he's the dad. He finds sleeping bags and food mm-hmm. wrappers um, and even, like, a bottle with urine in it, which, of course, means the killers have been yeah. there in the home for a while, which is, makes me sad because Aubrey's fears were legitimate at the beginning of the film. There was someone in the house that yeah. had been there for a mm-hmm. while. And so he, yep. he tries to tell Felix and C... When Fox Mask comes out of nowhere and slits Paul's throat with a machete. So it's like, he's dead too. Yeah. And and Felix and Z just kind of, like, don't do anything. And it's when you get the reveal that Felix is like, did you have to do that in front of me? And the, is it Fox yeah, Mask? Yeah, Fox Mask. Takes his little headphones out and is like, I'm sorry, did you say something? And so, obviously, Felix and Z are internet. So, my dad was right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he may have distrusted her for a silly reason, but he was correct. Um, yeah. So, Felix and Z are in on it. And then, is this the part where Z's like, do me next to your dead mom? I think it may be around that part, yeah, that she does that. He's like, I'm not in the mood. Which is supposed to be comedic. Yeah. Like a, and he's like, and then he was like, He's like, I don't think that's appropriate. I was like, he's like, I really don't want to do that. And she's like, you never want to do anything f- different or daring or something. And he's like, I think that's a inaccurate assessment. And it's like, y'all just hired people to kill your whole fucking family. I think that's adventurous enough. Yeah. Y'all. Which also, I'm sorry, this shit never, like, never, never turns out the way you want it to. Like, when you're, like, planning, like, let's kill my entire family. I'm like, How? How how is are you gonna get away with that? You're not gonna get away with it. You're just not. Like there's too many especially like his family, like it's a bunch of people. Like, there's too many variables. Yeah. Like to me, like I was like, Y'all are idiots. But you know, but it's a it's a, it's just a movie. But I think the logic of it is very flawed. Very, very flawed. Um Yeah, and this might be why we're in Lamb Mask sees Tiger Mask. It might be now. Um, but, um, so Erin's been trying to text 911 on her cell phone because she says if you text it, then eventually if you get even one bar, it'll go through. She said this to Kristen before. Well, yeah. And she goes... So I will say this because there's just, there's some, because this is before you're talking, so that scene is coming up. But she, um, yeah. she, they had hid Drake because Drake was wounded because he had the arrow. Yeah. And so they, um, it's mm-hmm. freaking, um, Landmass finds a wounded Drake and he almost kills him and Aaron stabs him and he runs off. So she starts setting up the nail traps. Yeah. And during setting up the nail traps, that's where she tells C that she was raised in a survivalist compound. Yeah, well, I was going to say, she's, like, in the closet hiding before the Drake thing, and she's trying, she keeps trying to text throughout the beginning of the movie. Um, And while she's doing that is when they find Drake, and Drake was like, thanks for hiding me. She's like, yeah, we figured you were passed out. Because Drake ripped his arrow out. Which, the first thing I said, I was like, you shouldn't take the arrow out. 
but you should cut it shorter so you don't run into it. And when he runs after Kelly, initially, he, like, catches the arrow in his shoulder. That's when he rips it out. I was like, see? See, I told you. Like, you should at least cut it down so you don't get caught on stuff. But, like, you should not rip out an arrow yeah. without a doctor. Not good. Like, unless you, there's no way you're going to get to a doctor. Um, but, yeah, so um, Aaron starts setting up these nail boards, and she's getting Z to help her. And it's, it's very ingenious the way she does it because she puts – one nail board, like, far enough out so that the person trying to get in the window will see it um, and try to step closer to the wall. But then she puts one right under it where you can't see it. I was like, oh, that's so smart. Like, um, how do you, like, know where to put that? It's great. Oh, uh, I was like, I will. I mean, I'm not going to put nail boards in my house because I'll probably step on them accidentally. But um, I thought that was really smart. But uh, Z's just kind of like casually like, so uh, how do you know about all this like killing people shit? And she's like, yeah, I had kind of a weird childhood. And I don't know. Some people say like they wish she didn't tell this story. I don't really mind it because she doesn't go like too far into it. She's just like, my dad got really paranoid and joined like a survivalist like compound. And I lived there until I was like a teenager and my mom and I moved to the States, and I just kind of retained a lot of it. Um, so she doesn't go into, like, a ton of detail, but she's just like, yeah, so that's why I know this stuff. Which I feel like you don't absolutely have to know. I feel like they could have said, she could have just said, I had kind of a weird childhood. And just not even, like, gone into it. <laughs> but it's also, like, it's nice to know her as a character. So I've had some people, I, the one complaint I've had is, like, some people were like, I think it would be better if we didn't know her background, but I don't know. It kind of gives her, she's kind of like, I feel like she'd be an inhuman killing machine if you didn't know, like, where it came from, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I know martial arts moves because my parents and my brother have taken martial arts, but I'm not, like, proficient at it. You know, like I know some stuff, but I don't know like everything. And I do think the so, other thing but about I don't think I need to tell people that. I do think the other thing about Erin is that she is like she from the moment she meets Crispin's family, she does want to create like a genuine connection with them. So I think it's her way of trying to connect with C, even in the midst of all the shit going down. Like she's still just like someone that is open and willing to talk and communicate. And I think that says something for her character because she's also so willing to fight. For these people she's just met, too. Yes. Yeah. And she just met them. Which I'm like, I would like Erin in my family. She seems cool. She is really cool. Uh, which is so sad because, like, I remember Amy, like, when she first met her, she's like, oh, my God, it's so amazing to meet you. You're beautiful. You must be Erin. And, like, I feel bad. I'm like, they would have been such good sisters. Yeah. Um, it's really depressing. Um, but so uh, Felix and Drake are down in the basement because Aaron was like, we're going to work on the nail boards. You grab some more weapons and we'll see you upstairs. And, like, they're kind of talking. And Felix is like, oh, did you not know Kelly's dead? Because they haven't told Drake yet because they covered her body up and they didn't know how to tell him. And Drake's like, what? I have to go after her. And he's like, no, no, she's dead, man. Yeah, did you not know that? Oh, I'm so sorry. And then he starts stabbing him. But instead of, like, repeatedly stabbing with the same object, he just keeps stabbing him with different objects. He's like, why won't you die? It was very Austin Powers. Um, he's like, don't you know how hard this is on me? And, like, Drake's just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I can't imagine if my little brother started stabbing yeah. me. I would be very confused. Um, but 
uh, Drake does die, and it's it's sad. Um, and um, I don't know. Does he tell Aaron that Drake went to go get Kelly or something? Or I don't know. Yeah, I don't are. know. I don't think it's brought up again, and that may be a plot hole. I could be forgetting. I will admit that. I do know the next yeah. thing that happens is that Aaron, while upstairs, comes across Paul's body. And uh, Fox Max, uh, like, confronts her. And she actually, in another bold and brilliant move, she jumps, she jumps for the second floor mm-hmm. store, like, this second floor bedroom's window. So she jumps out the fucking window yes. without hesitations to escape Fox Max. But when she does, she in- injures her legs. And what, what Katie was actually referring to earlier in the podcast is the shard of glass that was stuck in her leg. Yeah. So She's a giant shard of glass. And she runs into the woods to take care of it and it was just so funny because me and my dad were like oh my god don't touch it mom's like no it's superficial it's fine like mom's like oh it's superficial i was like how can you tell i guess if you've seen enough injuries in your life you can just tell i don't know because i guess superficial is literally just under your skin so it isn't like it's not going to like sever an artery or probably even your veins it's just gonna get between your skin and like your muscle so it's it's Probably the best kind of injury you can have, especially in your leg where there are some big arteries like on your thighs and stuff. So, um, thank God. But she rips that sucker out in the woods, which is really, really creepy. Yeah. And like, I don't like people pulling things out. Um, I think at the same time, um, is it Fox Mask or Lamb Mask. Mask who falls for the Yeah, nail? it's Lamb Max. Yeah. <laughs> so he he gets a nail in his foot, which is also really disturbing. I do not like nails. I don't either. It's really... I do not like this yeah. part. Like, also, like, this gore makes me... They're very visceral with the injuries, but they're not grotesquely over the top. Um, which is, I think, why, like, they make my skin crawl. It's kind of like St. Maud. Like, there was the scene where she had the nails in her shoe... And she, like, stepped on them, and it made my skin crawl, but it wasn't, like, overly grotesque. Oh. But it was enough to be visceral. But, yeah, so, no, he's the one, so, Lamb Max is the one that gets um, injured by the nail board. And during this, afterwards, Aaron mm-hmm. sneaks back into the house from in the woods, and she's hiding behind the curtains, and she hears Lamb Max say that Tiger Mask was his brother. So that's where it's revealed that Tiger Mask was his brother. Yeah. And he tells he tells uh, Felix, he's like, and unlike you, I liked my brother. And so that's where it's revealed to Aaron mm-hmm. that Felix and C was involved in it as well. Um, and they all start arguing yeah. because of that. And then they overhear Aaron's text messages go through. And she's like, ah, oh, shit. So she has to fight them, basically. And she does a really cool thing where, like, she she sets up a trap with the arrow. Is that where she sets up an axe trap yeah. for the Yeah, I think door. that was a little... I think that was right, right before, before the boards that she did that. Yeah. Yes. And she sets up, like, a camera trap, too, in the basement. Um, but she, she acts like she's going to run into the woods, but she actually runs, like, across a courtyard in the house and isolates... Yeah, Lamb Mask, Lamb mask because mask. he's the one who's been injured. Yeah. Lamb Mask. Yeah, and kills him. And I think with an axe, because that's, I think, how she gets the axe, I want to say. Um, and then she goes back into the house, and um, Fox Mask comes back in, and 
she kills him with the camera. Like she she traps him in the basement. She flashes him with the camera and then just maliciously beats him until like she's just covered in blood. And so she goes back upstairs and she finds Felix <laughs> and Z and they have a confrontation in the kitchen and and like they're like fighting and it so she had been boiling that water. She she throws it on him and it's not even hot anymore. He's like, "You dumb bitch, it's not even hot." And she takes a blender, a glass blender, breaks the 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 um what do you call the like bottom yeah the blender what do you call it that's a great question I don't, the blender the the receptacle part of the okay. blender um on his head the pitcher I guess I don't know I don't know what you call that part um and she breaks it on his head takes it upside down stabs him in the head and then turns it on. Which was just, like, a totally over-the-top way to kill him. But it's really gross and really fun. Um, and then she turns over to Z and just stabs her in the top of the head the with best a knife. Part of The, the best great. part of that blender scene, too, is, like, so when she throws the water on him and he does say that great line about her being a dumb bitch, he fucking trips on the water and, like, lands on the floor. And then when she, yeah. and she, like, is basically fighting him and Z at the same time. I love the choreography of this scene. So he gets back up and yeah, she slams really the door in his face, knocks him against the wall again, blenders his, blenders yeah. his head, and then literally takes the knife that Felix put in her own back, pulls the knife out of her own back to stab C in the head in it. I'm like, can you imagine? It's like, great. <laughs> it's amazing. She's so badass. Like, you... It's really I love good. It. And it's messy. Yeah. It's not too perfect. Like, it seems like something that someone actually would struggle, like, to do, but maybe is a realistic thing you could do. Um, I think the blender thing, I feel like that was something they really wanted to, like, death by blender. Yes. It was something they really wanted to do in the script. And so it was important that they have that. And I thought, it's funny. It's funny um, and really gross. Um, so she's, like, she kind of, like, goes in the living room and her uh felix is or she's no no she's sitting between the dead bodies and she's just exhausted and felix's phone rings and she's like oh i guess the you know i guess the phones are working she picks up his phone doesn't say anything and it's crispin on the other line he's like hey felix is it over and he's like i'm so sorry i told you this might happen i just can't do violence i'm a pacifist oh my god He's such a pretentious asshole. Um, and then, um, so she just doesn't say anything, and he just kind of, like, digs himself into a hole further and further. And it's just like, I'm sorry, man. And then he comes into the, into the house. She's in the living room kind of waiting for him. And he, she has the cell phone, and he's like, oh, shit. So he tries to, like, basically, like, bribe her into not telling on him. And she's like, were you trying to kill me? And he was like, no, 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 no. That was part of my plan. You're the witness. You were not supposed to die. You are, it's part of my plan. She's like, but when you left, you had to have known there's a chance I could die. And he's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, okay. And he's like, well, what, what's up with Felix? She's like, I killed him with a blender. <laughs> and he's like, okay, fair enough. And he's like, uh, is he around? And she's like, killed her too. He's like, okay. And, but he keeps getting closer to her. And I was like, dude, why would you? Like, he keeps, like, closing in the distance. Um, and he's like, honey, like, the good thing is, like, now I'm the sole inheritor. So, like, we can go to Paris and maybe get engaged. And she's just like, what? And he's like, okay. 
It's also like that thing of like, and I'm sorry, this is probably gender stereotyping, but whenever you're very quiet as a woman, your partner, especially if you have a male partner, they get scared shitless when you don't say anything. Like, I feel like, and like, like it takes a lot for me to not say something. Um, but that's, I was like, I was like, I mean, what else do you say about that? Like, I don't know what I would say if the person, I, I mean, I've been a, betrayed emotionally by someone I trusted, but not physically like that. I laughed too. Cause this most recent time I realized that he, when like literally like buying the house, getting engaged, Paris doesn't work. He's like, I can pay off your student loans. Like, <laughs> I mean, I gotta say that would be tempting. <laughs> I mean, he's like, don't uh, you hate your? I wouldn't want to kill job? people about it, but I'm like, yeah. What what would happen? Like, what if you just went with it for like a month and then called the cops? How much jail time would you get? Um, but yeah. So basically, <laughs> she she just is fed up and she just stabs him. Yeah, in the neck, and he's like, why? And she's like. Why the fuck not? And stabs him in the eye. And then, surprisingly, she gets shot in the shoulder. Um, but at least the cop shot her in the shoulder and not the head. Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm like, good. It's it's a cop that actually is like, hey, I don't know the situation entirely, but she is killing someone, so I have to stop this. But I'm going to shoot her in the shoulder so, like, we can arrest her and try to figure out what's happened. I'm like, that is the way... I mean, hopefully you don't shoot anyone at all, but I mean, like, if you're gonna shoot someone to stop them from injuring another person, don't go for a headshot. Thank God. But then the cops, like, calling it in, and she's waking back up, and she's crawling towards the door where the axe, uh, tr- the, the home alone axe trick is set up, and, because no one else has gotten the front door yet, and as the police officer is trying to open there, she's like, no, don't! And it hits him in the face, and then blood splatters the screen, and it says, you're next. And then all the credits roll, and it's everyone's, like, autopsy photos are the credits. And it's great. Like, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Um, it doesn't, it, it gets a little emotional, but it's not overly sappy or dramatic. Yeah. And I think that's why it's enjoyable, because it should be really dark and twisted, but it's, like, really fun because there is some comedy in it it reminds me a lot of jeremy saulnier and like green room where like um i don't i feel like it was ryan hollinger did a review on your next and he was like in green room you have smart people making bad decisions because they're so stressed out but in this movie you have a smart person making smart decisions because she's been you know like she's been um trained to do so by her upbringing but most people make stupid decisions. And, like, Jeremy Saulnier movies put normal people in terrible situations and they fumble through things. Like, it's 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 very much like a normal person going through an abnormal circumstance, but, like, fucking it up the whole time. If you watch Blue Ruin or Green Room, both those movies are like that. Or even Murder Party was kind of like that, too. Like, they just keep messing up. Um, whereas this movie is, like, people do mess up, but, like, one person is like making all the right decisions and I find it interesting. It's very it's it's subverted, you know. I think it's good. Yeah. Um I don't know. Well, obviously you like this movie, yeah. right? Brittany cuz you yeah. own it. Yeah. Right? I, I yeah, I do own it. Yeah, I love it. Um I think this is probably like my fifth time watching this film. 
Um, so what I like, what I've always liked about this movie is that Aaron is legitimately like one of the smartest, craftiest protagonists I've ever seen in a scary movie. Um, she's ruthless. Um, yes. I love actually how ruthless she is because I think there's always this thing in human nature that like in a lot of scary movies, someone will hit the murderer and they run off. Aaron like literally makes sure they're, Aaron yeah. makes sure they're dead. Like every single time she wasn't like. Oh, hit him with the meat cleaver one time and run. Yeah. Like, no, that bitch, like, hit him with the meat cleaver so many times. She's going to make sure you are not getting up. And I love it. I love it because if you're in a fight or flight situation, she is a fighter. Like, she is fighting. Um, she is also the only person in this entire film to appear on screen to survive. So she's literally the final girl in more way this than one. Like, she is the, she's the she ultimate, is the final, ultimate girl. final girl. And she's not... She's not overly perfect. No. Like, it's not like she doesn't get injured or she's, like, the Terminator where she's a killing machine. She has to stop. She has to rest. She has injuries that she has to repair. After she gets injured with her leg, she does end up, like, you know, limping the rest of the way. So, like, I, I like that they don't make her perfect because I think if she was absolutely perfect, I would be very bored with this movie and I would not like it as much as I do. Yeah. Because um, I would think, like, oh, she's not, like, real enough that I'm, I've am i lost interest in her. Like, I don't want someone who's a machine. Um, but I, I do like her as a I character. I do, too. Um, I wrote, of course, that this was an adult, adult Home Alone movie we all deserve. Um, it definitely has nods to The Strangers and Funny Games, um, which is really cool. And it's genre blending. Um, so it's mumblegore, but it's also dark comedy. And it's also kind of pulpy. It's kind of trashy, but I like it. <laughs> so, Definitely. yeah, what about you? What are your likes? Yeah. I love this movie. I really, really like the writing, and I really like um, the direction, obviously. I think it's, you know, I'm. I think the first time I saw it, I was a little disturbed with the fact that the whole family got murdered. But the second and third time I've seen it, like... I definitely just enjoyed the romp of it and took it more as, like, it's a horror movie. It's just a funny, dark comedy. Um, almost like Clue. Like, like no, it's not, it's not as goofy as Clue is. But, like, it's almost like a gory Clue where, like, people just are getting picked off right and left. Um, but I like Aaron's character. I'm kind of sad she hasn't done more stuff because I feel like she does a really good performance. And I feel like she would be really good in, like, more action films. Which I don't know if she does, like, stunt work or if she just, just appears to be really well-trained in this kind of work. But um, I do think... She does a really good performance. I actually really like everybody's performance. I think I wish Barbara Crampton's character stayed alive a little bit longer because I really like Barbara Crampton. I don't think she got to kind of eat the scenery, but since this was one of her first movies back after retirement, it's like maybe she just needed to like tiptoe back in. Um, But everyone's really strong and I don't know. It's just an interesting movie. I do think there's a lot of really cool visuals like um, the your next being written in blood. The masks are very creepy. Um, it kind of reminds me of, like, The Strangers. Yeah. Where, like, everyone was, like, freaking out about the masks for years. This one's kind of similar, but not as... I don't know. It's not as, like, unbelievable as The Strangers were. Like, The Strangers were almost too mysterious. Like, you don't really get to know the killers, but you understand that, like, they're ex-military and they got hired for a job and they probably don't know what they're doing, but they're going to act like they know what they're doing. Um, and I do like that 
she doesn't like forgive her boyfriend at the end because like even though like i probably wouldn't have murdered him because the police were on the way at the time i probably would have like tied him up and like let them arrest him you know but i would not have forgiven somebody after putting me through all of that and like he he does seem to like not want her to die because when he leaves he's like take care of yourself like just stay inside and take care of you but he doesn't like you would think he would tell her like i guess he was because she's supposed to be the witness she's not supposed to have a motive but like i don't know like i he's just such a shitbag Yes, that he I'm very I'm glad his death is satisfying yet I understand why the um why they uh why she went to kill him but then also like I understand why they wanted to shoot her because like they're like oh my god she must be the one who's killed everyone but at least it's not as depressing as the end of um is the end of like uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead, yeah. where they shoot the main character. Yeah. Spoiler alert! Yeah. They shoot the main character. Spoiler for a movie uh, that came out in like '67. Like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but I really like this movie. It's just as good, if not a little better, than how I remembered it. Um, so I liked it, and it was fun to watch with family members. So. Um, I would say this is a fun movie to watch with fellow horror fans. So, maybe not your grandma. Your grandma might not like it. Yeah. But it's funny enough that I feel like it's not, it's not too gory, even though it is very gory. Yeah, I agree. But maybe, maybe I'm just, uh, I might be a little, we might be a little bit, um, immune to it as well. That's true. Because we've seen a lot of movies like that so yeah i like it um did you have a rating for it i did um so i would have to i wavered between a 7.5 and 8 and ultimately with it with an 8 out of 10 um i think it's like a modern classic Me too. i think it's like you know um when i think of mumblecore movies i or mumble gore movies uh this is the front runner um i loved it i love how well put together it was it's fun it's fun on multiple watches to me the rewatchability factor is there, yeah, which is what I like about it. Um, what about you? So you gave it an eight Definitely. out of ten too. I did, I did. I gave it an eight out of ten because I don't think it's it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but it knows what it, it wants to be, and it's a little more sophisticated than I expected from hearing what the movie was about. So I give it. I would probably give it a seven, like Psycho Gorman, but I think this one's just a little bit more polished. Yeah, especially for being like. The first big film for this group of filmmakers, even though they had done a lot of films, it's very impressive how good this movie is when it's um, not really that, like, it's not, this is one of their first times doing a movie. So, I, I feel like it deserves that extra point. Um, but yeah, um, I really liked it. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating I did. I rated it B for Blenders and bu- Blood Baths. Blenders and blood baths. So, I like that one. I had um, rated D for dysfunctional and dead, and then rated M for mayhem and masked assailants. But I like the blender. Yeah. Oh, one. you know, I had to work the blender in there somewhere. <laughs> I just imagined. I think we're going with. I, I also imagine like someone reading that title and they didn't see the movie. They're like, "How does a blender fit into this movie?" Right. That's, like, the thing about this movie is, like, 
The blender deck? The blender. Interesting. Okay, so that was your next. Thank you, Britt, for picking it because that's a movie that we've been wanting to do for like yes. a year and it finally came on streaming. Um, and I know you were especially excited about it because we were super disappointed when it wasn't streaming last year. Um, that one was fun. Um, so we're going to do something a little different. Not really, because I guess Psycho Gorman's a pretty recent movie yeah. too. But getting on the um, new movie train and also our newfound appreciation for Megan Fox. almost said Megan the Fox, like Megan the Megan Italian. the Fox. Um, for Megan... <laughs> Megan the Fox. Um, Megan Fox has just been in a movie that just got released. It's all horror thriller kind of thing um, called Till Death. Um, it is basically on Amazon Prime. After a romantic evening in their secluded lake house, Emma awakens. I'm not going to say exactly what happens, but basically she's trapped in a very harrowing situation. Um, handcuffed to something unpleasant and she has to escape danger um it i've heard really good things about it i've heard it's slightly comedic it looks like fargo and like maybe a little comedy like jennifer's body kind of mixed up and megan fox has said this movie teaches you why it's better to break up before cheating on somebody because of what happens in the movie um but i have kept myself pretty in the dark about it yeah have you read anything else about it no i basically yeah that's pretty much all i know is that like her husband's taking her to like a romantic (laughs) retreat so that's the only thing i really know about the movie Uh, i've turned off every review about it about two minutes in because i'm like nope I actually want to watch this movie. So right now it is um, in early access on Amazon Prime for rent, $6.99. Or you can actually buy it for $15. So, I mean, it's up to you if you want to rent it or buy it. Um, I don't think it's in theaters, but if you live in a uh, bigger metropolis than us, it might be in theaters. Because um, things are starting to get released into theaters. It doesn't say it's an in-cinema rental though so usually amazon prime says like a cinema exclusive or something because if it's simultaneously being released um but so it's till death starring megan fox and it's a newer movie because i don't know and it looks like independently done like it looks like a pretty small film and um after uh watching a lot of interviews with megan fox after jennifer's body i just find her to be an interesting person and i i want to see where this movie goes and the reviews I've gotten is Megan Fox is tired of everybody's shit. So basically, <laughs> apparently that's the theme of yeah. this movie. So um, so I'm excited. Um, so with that, we're going to bid y'all adieu. Um, thank you for listening, liking, subscribing. Welcome to our new, like, 10 listeners, followers Woo! that are new this week. Um, thank you for liking us subscribing to us lurking yes we we love love you guys um stay safe out there be kind be safe get vaccinated wash your hands take your vitamins uh hug your fur babies and your real babies if you have them i just don't have real babies yet so So, yes all the babies and be good to each other absolutely yeah
All the babies. As a reminder, guys, uh, here's your reminder. Take your drink of water hydration shot. Thank you for joining us on some small part of your day. We're glad that you decided to spend an hour or two with us listening, talking about movies. Uh, It's great to have you, so thank you. We're so glad you're here with us. As always, um, thank you for what Katie said, the likes, um, the comments, the subscriptions, the support. It means the world to us. So, yeah, guys, um, thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. And as always, we just look forward to seeing you uh, same spooky, um, same spooky time, same spooky channel, same spooky <laughs> channel, same spooky. I'm tired. Like, same spooky time, it's same fine. spooky channel. We're tired. We're tired. It's okay. <laughs> Stay spooky, y'all. It's okay. It's okay. Stay, Stay spooky, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye, Katie. Love you guys. Love Bye, you. Bye. Good night. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, love you guys. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.